So maybe you're a crazy person like me who has over 400 Marines and you want to name them all. Or maybe you love creating new characters for D&D. Or maybe you just really like learning the meaning and origins behind some of your favorite nerdy character names from pop culture. Well then, it sounds like you need Naming Your Little Geek by Scott Root. This is an incredibly fun and easy read. It taught me not only is Ulrich the name of a war god, but also a Sith master. It also comes with one more added benefit. It's a great resource for naming your babies. Follow the link in the description below and pick up your copy of Naming Your Little Geek today. Hello and welcome back to what we are calling Bolters. Why are we calling them Bolters? Because they're rapid fire and only last about 24 to 30 minutes. I'm Lord Commander Ulrich and with me as always is... His shield brother, Axel Wright. How's it going this week, man? Stressfully. How's it going with you? Ah, uh, finally getting stuff taken care of for my back. That's nice. Glad to hear it. Health is important. Uh, my, my buddy Doug was getting on me to get a doctor and I've been trying to get a doctor for like a year and I can't make it happen for some reason. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll side skirt the American healthcare real quick and just uh, point out that Clerks 3 is a big flashing neon sign of take your health seriously, get a fucking doctor. Yeah, I know. And I just can't. Anyway. Trust me, I'm in the same boat. So I was like, you should go to the doctor. I say, but then they'll tell me what's wrong with me. And I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what's up? Well, this week we are doing a... Heavy Bolter, which is a longer form version of our Bolter, which is basically means we got a big topic and it's going to take a while to cover it. But we'll get going right into that after we do our quick patron sound off. Our patrons, the wonderful, wonderful people that love us so much that they encouraged us to make this spinoff podcast. Because, you know, we didn't have enough irons in the fire. They are Pam Galley, Marquis, Chris Chippen, River Galley, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin Vade, Brendan Agnew, John Vinnels, Kit Kenny, Seth Decker, Dona Lucy, Nathan Willis, Carson Mel, Scott Rubin, Derek Scotty, and Peter Cook. Now, if you'd like to join the illustrious legion, head on over to patreon.com forward slash geeks with shields. 25 cents an episode is a dollar a month. That is all it takes to help keep us on the air and get you mentioned in that opening ramble. All right. All that out of the way, let's talk about what this heavy bolter is. Uh, Warhammer the Old World is still coming, and uh, everyone else in the community has kind of speculated and thrown their hat in the ring, and I thought, you know what? Axel and I have no experience playing Warhammer Fantasy on the tabletop, so we should give our, you know, totally unbiased, uninformed opinions a go. Yeah, I mean, my extent of Old World knowledge basically comes from Total War and yep. Vermintide. yep. <laughs> I know some of the lore, I've read the books, but this came and went right before I got into Warhammer proper, and I think it was long dead by the time Axel got in. Well, okay, maybe not the right terminology, but the End Times and Age of Sigmar had happened definitely before yeah. I got in, and seemingly before Ulrich got in. So Yeah, no, I got in, It. I watched the meltdown of the launch of Age of Sigmar right before I got into 40k. Funny, what because... Is, I got in when I first got into the hobby. Age of Sigmar was still the whipping boy of the community, and now I hear far more often people singing its praises, and especially in comparison to 40k. So, yeah, all the people that really bitched about it had heart attacks and died. So we're all good. That's yeah, that's fine. all right. So anyway, yeah, we're speculating. For those who don't know, because I had to explain this to my girlfriend the other day. So Warhammer, right? Which we've talked about many times. If you're listening to this, you probably know this, but just to cover our bases. The Old World, or Warhammer Fantasy, was the original Warhammer game, technically, and it was more of a fantasy setting, you know, your classic Lord of the Rings, or whatever you want, but still Warhammer-y. 40k came 
technically later it gets iffy with Rogue Trader and whatnot. But game a few later. years after Warhammer Fantasy is the prototype, though even early Warhammer Fantasy isn't Warhammer Fantasy. Yeah, so Warhammer Fantasy was the fantasy tabletop game that still had a lot of somewhat recognizable things, like the Chaos Gods and the Chaos Demons were the same in between 40k and Fantasy, and that's still true, but we'll get to that in a second. Anyway, that had like, what, 10 editions or something? And Nine? Nine? All right. Nine. And then they did an event called Yen Times that basically was a narrative thing that the Warhammer Fantasy... The world of Warhammer Fantasy literally went through the apocalypse and was destroyed entirely. And then many, many eons, I don't know the exact time, but in lore, a bunch of time passed. And then Sigmar, who was a man and a god in Warhammer Fantasy, technically, he now goes into the realms because now instead of like just being a planet, it's like a set of magical realms, kind of like the Forgotten Realms in the D&D setting. And... That's how we get Age of Sigmar. So Age of Sigmar is the same world as Warhammer Fantasy, but already been destroyed and many eons later and reformed into a magical planeswalking kind of thing where every realm is like realm of life, realm of death, stuff like that. And chaos is rampant because they took over fucking everything. So anyway, there. Base is covered. Warhammer... If you want the more in-depth version, pick any of our Sotek episodes. I think we have covered everything from the birth to the death of Warhammer Fantasy up to Talking Age of Sigmar. Well, to be clear, we talked literally about the end times. We haven't talked a lot about Warhammer Fantasy with Sotek, but we talked about the end we times. Talked about so. like the rolling of the editions, and we we touched like a basic primer. But sure, anyway, if you want the end, go listen to something we did with Sotek. So there were a lot of fans who like Age of Sigmar, but there were a lot of fans who felt not happy about Warhammer Fantasy's death as it were. And so we have this announcement, I think in 2019 was the original announcement of Warhammer The Old World, which is kind of a revitalization. It's basically going back to Warhammer Fantasy as a, its own game that so theoretically will be supported probably to the same degree that a lot of the more side games. Yeah, and we'll talk about what level of support we think it's going to get, what we hope it's going to get, stuff but, of that nature. The point is, it's a continuation of the Warhammer Fantasy setting, although it's actually, from what I've been told, it's taking place some centuries before the actual events of Warhammer yes. Fantasy. So it's actually even pre-Warhammer Fantasy. It's more like a game that takes place in the setup to Warhammer Fantasy. So, I mean, that the Warhammer Fantasy is that world, that setting, that time period. We're just getting like a different slice of that time scale. Yeah, exactly. Because it was always told near the end of it, and now we're jumping back to like the middle section. Yeah. Anyway, so there you go. If you didn't know, that's what Warhammer the Old World is. They've been teasing bits of it for a couple of years now, but they got a lot heavier recently with their teases and their information. They started confirming more stuff, but they've still been extremely light in... What do the rules look like? When is it coming out? There's a lot of speculation. The reason we're jumping in and the reason everyone else is jumping in is this year is the 40th anniversary of Warhammer. And if there was ever a time to pull the trigger and make the official announcement, it would be this year. Yeah. So stuff that we have seen, or at least that we've, that I've read that people have talked about as being like confirmed are they, they took is, is Kislev is going to be like the major Kislev is going to be in there. Yeah, and if anything, they from what we've seen, they might be like the central faction, at least of this narrative, because of where they're setting uh, it primarily. And I was introduced to Kislev through Total War 3, and it kind of makes sense because Total War 3 was 
brought in Kislev and brought in Cathay. Cathay yeah. is a, a whole nation that was really just talked about. In it, the- it existed in like a couple paragraphs of text. And the big giveaway is CA, the company behind Total War, said game, uh, Games Workshop made and gave them army books for Kislev and Cathay that were meant to be playable with Warhammer the Old World. Yeah, so we're getting theoretically we know pretty in- confirmed Kislev and Cathay, Cathay in Warhammer the Old World. Now, Kislev makes sense because we know this setting, we know the area. Cathay, we've seen a map and them saying it is. I don't know how Cathay is going to factor in because it's on the opposite side of the world from where they're having the setting. I thought Cathay was actually not that far from Kislev geographically. I mean, it depends on how they do the map because the Total War map is different than the Warhammer map, which is different than the Warhammer the Old World map we're getting now. That's fair. Uh, and other... scale, they can move scale however they want because it's their world and they can shrink or grow it as they want. Yeah, other races that have been... I, I, I want to use the word confirm because we basically heard directly from like developers and stuff. But... So this is how we made the list, or how we learned it. We've had either box art, map art, or confirmed by Games Workshop. These factions are going to be in the game. And assuming I you know. haven't played Total War or, or Warhammer Fantasy... Uh, quick breakdown we've seen <laughs> this Bretone. is a weird episode to jump in on if, yeah, we've if seen... you know nothing of total war or warhammer yeah but we should do like one sentence here for each bretonia which is french knights the empire which is uh, i don't know how to describe the empire actually they're just uh, humans. humans renaissance with... era uh holy roman empire uh wood elves which are essentially tolkien elves orcs but warhammer orcs kind of so if you know 40k orcs like that, but a little less jokey, a little more serious. Uh, Tomb Kings, Egyptian skeleton people, uh, border princes, like the Empire, but they exist in kind of on the fringes of society. We'll talk about border princes because they're a weird one. Three, three different Empire factions. I don't actually know what yes. that means. So, so the setting is during the reign of the three emperors. So there's like three different factions of the empire fighting with each other. There's like Reichland is one, Middenland is another. I think Nuln's the third one. Ah, and they're all vying to, all... to be in charge. Yeah, to me those are all empire, but I, I get what you mean. Uh, high elven outposts? That's just like we've seen on the map and they've confirmed like, hey, there's these outposts that have high elf marks. Because the high elves were kind of in the old world at this time, so they're there but not maybe. Okay. Uh, Dwarves, Forces of Chaos, because you can't have any Warhammer game without Forces of Chaos. Uh, Cathay and Kislev. Those are the ones that we are basically confirmed on. Yeah, we've got box art for most of these. There's a couple. Like the high elves, it's anyone's guest. And what they're doing with the border princes and the whole southern realms. Now you Nobody have... seems to know because CA or Games Workshop was very vague. Like, oh yeah, they're there. What they are is a thing. You have written here, the one I'm curious about that you have written here is square bases. I was under the impression that it was going to be interchangeable square to circles. Have you seen something different? The only thing we have is when they announced this, they did a big Q&A or FAQ. And they said, what are the bases going to be? And they're like square bases. Now, there's been rumors that they're going to be slightly bigger square bases than the old ones because the models and whatnot. But we know they're doing square bases, rank and file. Hmm. Okay. That's going to cause me problems. So, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Of, now, if anyone, if you're smart and you're entrepreneurial, you're going to start designing up 3D prints of little base 
interchangers for square to round or square to slightly bigger square. Yeah. Because it's it makes a lot of sense because a lot of those models barely fit on their old smaller square bases. And it's been heavily rumored, and I can see them upping the size a little bit, if only to sell us new bases. I wonder why the original changeover from square to circles, anyway. 40k was always circle. Fantasy was always square, because they rank and file nicely. But we've made a lot of progress with trays that, you know, squares can fit into, or circles can fit into squares. Yeah, well, it's just, like you said, it's easier to convert a circle into a square than a square into a circle. Yeah, I just so no think wait wait sorry I got that I got that backwards with a circle you could put like no 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 I didn't I'm already mixing it my own words okay if you have a circle you can put like it would be really hard to put like a thing around it turn it into a square because of the shape of a square but if you have a square you can put this like thing that fits around it that turns it into a circle that's what I meant to say damn it yeah and I think it's because it started as a pseudo historical game and a lot of historical war games they're all rank and file so it's you know played on trays or played on square bases honestly i think the best system would be like a lot of ones do the individual models are in circles and they slot into a square tray yeah okay but that's all up in the air that'd be that, that yeah that works there are a couple things that ulrich and i uh have thoughts on like i know that in my case one of my age of sigmar armies is an army that also played a big part in Warhammer Fantasy, which is yeah. the, the Skaven. And we haven't Let's... seen anything about them, but, you know. So the Skaven are there, and the Skaven desperately need new models. Yes, like, I will say just... that... they here's, here's why I have hope, though. I think they don't need new models as much as the Seraphon do, but we just got an announcement of Seraphon stuff. Yeah, if we hadn't just gotten new Lizardmen... I would be like, one of those two needs to get it. Now, it's also been, like, there's a lot of big rumors going around, and one of the big rumors is they're going to, you know, launch with a new Skaven army to help boost model sales, because everyone loves Skaven, and Skaven can show up literally anywhere. Yeah, it was really Which, funny. I was reading yeah. I was reading an announcement article. I don't even know what website, but this guy was talking about, or this person, I don't know what, but this person was talking about potential armies, and they said something in it. They were like, also the Skaven, who are always popular, parentheses, to my continued surprise. And I was like, fuck are you, dude? <laughs> no, I get it, because they have all the staying power of wet tissue paper. Oh, I, they're so fun, though. Anyway. They are thematically and narratively fun as fuck put them on the table and they just keep melting away and malfunctioning. And you're like, okay, I want something that, you know, can actually stay in a fight. Well, I will say that at least in Age of Sigmar, that's become less true because they've leaned heavily, more heavily into Scryer and Mulder. So big monsters that, yeah, but anyway. So, yeah, I mean, let's go through what we know. We know the square bases. We know that Forge World is overseeing it to some extent, which at least that's what it was when it was announced, which I'm, only not a fan of because I'm not collecting anything resin. I'm just not doing it. And that's what I wonder about. With the success they've had moving Heresy from Forge World to Games Workshop, what is Forge World actually going to be involved in? Because no one likes dealing with their resin, and their price is just... It, it's an upcharge. It's a serious upcharge. Yeah. And Warhammer was about the big epic battles, the huge scale. And you're going to put a lot of people off if they have to pay expensive Forge World resin. The other half of that is Forge World was notoriously bad for dragging their feet, getting new rules out for Heresy. Really? Oh, yeah. No, Heresy... Well, I never it... pay attention to Heresy, so... 
I have Percy no had a weird thing. It's head had a head guy in charge, and he was running it. It was going, and then he tragically died. And then it was just eventually you'll get some rules until Games Workshop decided, okay, we're moving this over to us. You know, full time. We'll take care of rules and plastic models. You'll handle characters, which. That could be the way this ends up going. It will be released in plastic under Games Workshop. But if you want your special characters or your big giant models, you still have to go to Forge World. Which is fine. To me, Forge World's place, and I admit this is not like a business thing or anything, but it makes sense to me that Forge World is where you get like the big expensive models that are not you know, readily available. Like, I, I feel like... Forge World should never generally be selling rank and file. Maybe no. maybe upgrade stuff. I could see upgrade that. Upgrade stuff, but... maybe, and then the big centerpiece models and the character series, because they do really good yeah. with their character series. Like them having unique knights from 40k, that makes sense. Them having the squigoths from orcs, that makes sense. But I, I shouldn't have to get, like, example, regular-ass Kriegsman guardsmen from, <laughs> from Forge World. You know? Yeah, and that, and then there's the rule balancing of it all. So honestly, I think Forge World is going to have a hand in it. In they will make the named characters and yeah. the big toys, but the most of this is going to be Games Workshop plastic, Games Workshop rules. Which is someone who desperately wants new Skaven models. Like I, I <laughs> man, do plague priests need? They're some of the worst models I've seen in either game, I swear. Yeah, so. and I don't know. We'll circle back to Skaven because I have thoughts on that. The other thing we know is you can use your old models cool. when the game launches. Excellent. I don't know how many people still have their old armies. I am genuinely curious. I mean, I have, no, I have no frame of context for that because I don't know anyone who has a fantasy army in person. Like, I know some people online with fantasy armies, but... I've known a handful, I knew a handful of Age of Sigmar players that converted their armies over to play in Age of Sigmar, but I don't know anybody that has held on to their Warhammer Fantasy armies upstairs in that attic going, someday you'll come back and I will use you again, <laughs> which I kind of think that's what Games Workshop's counting on. I don't think they're as interested in getting the old guard back as they're hooking a whole new generation. Yeah. I mean, that's just regular business model at that point. Yeah, no, I definitely think this is... They, they want to bring the old players back so they'll bring their kids and, you know, generate buzz. But I think a lot of those old models are quickly either going to be replaced or moved to Legends. That's probably a good way to think about it, getting the old players to bring in new people. Because, like, from a pure revenue standpoint, there's nothing to be gained from bringing in people who already have armies. But yes. except for that they could bring in other people to make new armies. That is the biggest misconception people have about Games Workshop. If you're in, they don't care because they've already got your money. They want the new people to bring in the new money. Which is honestly a, a pretty shitty business model for a number of reasons, but it's it's hard to... I would love to talk with like a... A, a, I don't know, a non-terrible business person for, like, ideas for better ethical monetization formats for a model company. But, again, yeah. I'm not an expert. I'm not, I don't have a business degree or anything, so. Okay. Yeah. No. And, but it's, it's any hobby. Yes, they make money off the people that continue to, you know, exist, but they're always looking to expand and well, they, add more. They used to say, and I know I've read, it's not really true anymore, but there was, back in the, the aughts, there was some interview or something. Oh, this one from the CEO. Yeah, they made a comment, like, they are a model company. 
first and foremost. Their job is to sell models. Like, the game itself is just a, like, a reason to sell models. Now, that seems less true nowadays for a number of reasons. Oh, they've 100% moved away and they realize they're a multimedia company. Yeah, and which is what it should be. Honestly, at this point, and we've talked about this before, Warhammer, I think more than anything, is an IP. And an IP that you can do a lot with. Yes. Again, that's why this is coming back, is... As much as people love to pound their chest and go, ah, it was no one liked Age of Sigmar. No, it's because everyone loved Total War Warhammer and went, ooh, I want to play that. And Age of Sigmar Total War isn't ready yet. Yeah. No, I think that's, I mean, I don't know the numbers, but from what I can tell, Total War, uh, especially Total War 3, like Total War 2, like, started really picking up steam, especially, and then now Total War 3, like, had a really good, it had a bumpy launch for bugs-wise, but it had a pretty good player base. And yeah, yeah. I'm I'm literally one of those kind of people that's like, oh, I had no interest in fantasy stuff until I played Total War Two, and now I have fifteen hundred points worth of Skaven and seventeen hundred points worth of Sylvaneth. So yeah, no, this this is the hook, and like they're bringing it back, and you can even see it with the inclusion of Kislev, Kislev and Cathay getting put into Warhammer Three is a result of we need more factions and Games Workshop going. We need more factions. Let's try out these, you know, ones that we never fully developed. Yeah. And I think that's why we're going to get factions like Nippon and Ind and Koresh and all the other ones they never really delved into because CA needs DLC and Games Workshop needs new shiny factions to draw people in. Yeah, what's the Tiger People faction? That one sounds That's cool. Ind. That's Ind? All right. They're, they sound cool. Yeah. <laughs> and all, like I said, we know very little about them except that they had peaceful beastmen. Yeah. So yeah, there's that. And then the setting is a really interesting one in that there's a huge chaos invasion coming with an ever chosen because that's the well, Warhammer fantasy setting a lot of the time. Let's also bring up something we've talked about before. It's okay it, to know necessarily the ending or know something you're using is dead or what it, it's yes. fine. You can still play with it just because we know that the setting eventually ends with the ever Chad destroying everything doesn't mean there isn't fun to make stories in the, the world that was. Yeah, no, I mean, historical wargaming is the proof of that. We know exactly how this battle ends, but guess what? It's still fun to play because maybe it can go different this time, or maybe I can do this different, or it's just a fun setting to play with. Yeah. So, like, so- you know, Queek Head Taker, I know, dies in the, oh, spoiler, dies in the end time. Would I still use him in, a, in an army if I played uh, that clan? Absolutely. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I mean, the other cool thing about this is since they're going back in their timeline, they get to, you know, they have a couple established characters, like uh, Magnus the Pious, I think, is the eventual emperor that comes out on top. You know what I'd be interested in? I know that Total War CA has actually made at least one, I think more than one, completely original lord, which uh, the first completely original lord was Silostra, the, the siren queen. He's a CA creation that Games Workshop signed off and now is actually canon because Games Workshop retroactively added her to the universe. Which is what I was about to say. It's like, I'd love to see like how they, you know, things like that. Like, vampires are so awesome. Oh, yeah, no, they're a faction that's 100% going to exist in this game because why wouldn't they? Yeah, like, you know how many people would just get on board alone with, wait, vampire pirates? Fuck, yeah. Yeah, no, if you look at Warhammer, it has been the testing grounds. Well, this and the role-playing game are very much for, like, the testing grounds for what the old world's going to be. Yeah, 
which is cool. And that's why I think it's interesting. Like you look at it, like they've done three empire factions because the empire is the most popular faction for Total War. And you know so what? I made that make comment. Three flavors. Yeah, I made that comment earlier about being about being insulted by someone being like too much surprised about Skaven. And yet, when I hear the Empire is the most played faction, I'm like, well, that's to my continued surprise. So. Oh no, I'm right there with you. Like, I I get it. Empire's fun, but also they're the least interesting in the setting. I mean, admittedly, I'm one of those people that's like. I, yes, you could just play as regular dudes, but why when you can play as crazy rat men or, yeah. or green fungus people? Like, <laughs> whatever. No, I'm right there with you. I play Empire every once in a while. I'm like, oh, this is fun, but I'd, I, I'd rather be playing dwarves because dwarves gives me this feel, but better. Or I'd rather be like, playing high elves. Or... It's like sidebar. Uh, in D&D, they did some statistics a few years ago, and by far the most played race class combo was human fighter. It's like, what the fuck? Come anyway, sorry. Uh, I don't know. That's its own separate thing. But I think by splitting it into three sub factions, you're gonna be able to insert some really interesting flavor. With the Middenheim being, you know, the Ulrichian wolf god obsessed Templar warriors, and Nuln being the Canon City, and Reichland being the right down the middle people. And who knows what that's gonna bring. But yeah, that's kind of what we know and then as we've always seen like tomb kings was the biggest most recent reveal which i was surprised by i'm a little surprised by that too only because when it comes to the major undead factions like between vampire counts vampires and tomb kings i find tomb kings probably the least interesting but that is a oh they're my preference. favorite undead one i like them and yeah power to you I, like i said that's more a just a preference thing for me but so. I'm surprised by Tomb Kings. Other than Nagash. Nagash is an exception yeah. to what I just said, because Nagash is super interesting. So. Well, I'm just surprised by Tomb Kings, because kind of like Cathay, they're really out of the central wheelhouse. The setting seems to be you know, rotating around, which is the titular Old World. It, it also, Empire, Britonia, Cathay, World's Edge Mountains. Yeah, Tomb Kings are pretty far. From my understanding of any of the maps, Tomb Kings are pretty far from Kislev. So. yeah now they've kind of hinted it's like well the tomb kings did come up and stomp into the empire a couple times and there are you know these wars and they again they can they make the setting they can make whatever rules they want yeah you the can flip side of that is always tomb kings were one of the only armies tomb kings and bretonia were one of the all two armies that did not make it to aos model wise yeah, because in AOS instead we have the Osirak Bone Reapers, which are basically the the continuation, but yeah, the but less that of an Egyptian feel. They kept all yeah, the skeleton it, vibe, but it's not a one to one. Yeah, and just like when poor everyone goes, oh, flesh eater court. Like, listen, that's just mean to Bretonia players. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I, I get what you're saying, and I get what they've done, but it's just mean to Bretonia players, okay? Yeah. <laughs> the army of Gollum vampires is not equivalent to the Arthurian charge that they had. Yeah, like, I'm not a big fan of Bretonia, but they were literally the King Arthur faction, in seemingly, so it makes I sense I love them aesthetically. They look fucking awesome. I like uh, Raponce de Leon. <laughs> yeah, but... That's kind of why I look at Tomb Kings going, okay, this definitely has potential because that's not an army you can play in AOS. That's a big draw to this new system. Yeah, I doubt that because of how AOS actually deals with the human, just straight human races, which is basically the free cities, they don't really exist, not in the same way as a faction. So that makes a big sense why Empire would get pushed really hard, and Bretonia would get pushed really hard, and Kislev, because Kislev and Cathay are probably not going to have AOS 
counterparts. Yes. So. Well, so, and Osbertonia, well, they kind of went unsupported near the end but of Warhammer. I bet you they will continue that like, oh, but some of these models can be used as free city stuff. So. Oh, yeah. So let's talk about kind of like the big rumors. And one of those is appropriate AOS models will be able to cross over. Yeah. Dual duty, which I 100% think is the case. Like if you look at the Seraphon, those are still Lizardmen. Those would easily transfer over into Lizardmen. There's nothing in the Seraphon line that isn't also Lizardmen. See also 90% of Chaos. Yeah. Almost all of Chaos. Like, I don't think any of that couldn't be carried over and reused. Um, the only thing that wouldn't would be, like, some very specific models. Like, the Archeon model that has this big three-headed dragon. Yeah. yeah, that doesn't really work. Well, Archeon doesn't exist in this setting yet. It's another ever-chosen whose name I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, other than very specific examples like that, pretty much... I like, think you could cherry-pick some of the Sylvaneth stuff to come over. You mean the Sylvaneth? Yeah, it doesn't change that much from what else. Um, any of the the straight trees, the tree people, yeah, yeah, like the the tree lords and the dryads, they definitely will be fine. But the actual like tree revenants and like spite revenants, like those aren't gonna port. Uh, I don't know. I definitely think, and they're because again, they're trying to get you to buy into this. And if you can go, hey, if you play this, you can also play AOS, and if you play AOS, you can play this cross compatibility. That's what we've seen with Heresy. It's like, okay, this is mainly for Heresy, but if you want to run it in your 40k, here's some 40k rules. Well, that's another reason why I have such high hope for Skaven, because, again, there's nothing in the Skaven line currently that doesn't function in the Old World. The only models in the Skaven line that technically exist after the Old World are Vermin Lords, and they existed in the end times, from what I understand. Yeah. So, And again, we just tweaked a little lore, and then there was a Vermin Lord. Boom. Yeah. What are you going to do? Pull out your copy of the end times that you don't have? <laughs> but if it gives me, if, it, if it's an excuse to make new clan rat models, then fucking sign me up. So so let's talk about the Skaven conundrum real quick. W okay. That is a line that basically needs a ground up refresh. Like I, most of that stuff. I will disagree with you. It seems like it on the surface, but having spent a lot of time digging through that line, it actually has quite a lot of good stuff in it that still holds okay. up. It's just like clan rats, which are the most basic footmen. They should be updated for sure. Yeah. Uh, plague monks are the worst model in the line, period. So they need to be updated. There are a handful of metal and square ones, like rattling guns are still resin and they look So terrible. weapons teams. Yeah, weapons teams to be updated. But, uh, like, storm fiends look great. The Storm Vermin actually look pretty solid. A lot of the, like, vehicle, vehicular stuff, like Doom Wheels or... Uh, the big centerpieces are still good. Yeah, they all look great. So it's a lot of... So it's only three models they really need to do. Okay, so yeah. let's assume they do those three. There are a lot of bad models, but the ones I would say that they absolutely need to do are Clan Rats, Plague Monks, probably Rat Ogres, because Rat Ogres look pretty fucking old. And then, like, some of the hero ones. Like, the Arch Warlock, which is Icked Claw, is still in metal. And that's fucking bullshit. So, Well, Skaven will be getting new characters at this time. Yeah, but I'm just saying, a but new still, Scryer no. character of some sort. Yeah, well, we're just doing four or five kits isn't that much to ask. Because I do think that Skaven as a big launch faction would work. Because, like we said earlier, you can put them anywhere. 
and it makes sense because Skaven fucking pop up anywhere. Yeah, honestly, looking at the full lines, Seraphon are much more in need of like a general, uh, and and like they have a lot of the big centerpieces of the dinosaurs, but basically all of their footmen are terrible. Yeah, so. and they just got updated. Yeah. So theoretically, Skaven could totally get, you know, cleaned up for this because right now I've there's... seen I've seen many a Reddit. Uh, post saying that Skaven would be perfect as a launch army for the old world in a similar way to what yeah. happened with the Sisters of Battle in like 8th edition 40k. Not to the same degree because Skaven already exists as an army and the Sisters didn't, but something like that. So. No, I have a theory, but we'll talk about the big rumored starting boxes. And when I say big rumored starting boxes, the big boxes are it contains two armies and the rule books and everything you need to know to play a game of Warhammer Fantasy. So the big ones floating around, and we can talk about them, is Korn versus Kislev, Bretonia versus Tomb Kings, or an Empire versus Empire box. I only think that it's very likely, based on what we've seen, that Cathay is going to be in one of the first big release boxes. I would agree, because again, they, they went through the effort to make their army book. Mm-hmm. But Cathay could also come later as a box game, as a boxed army. Like here's their battle, here's their uh, book and their big army, Maybe. like we've seen with 40k. I will say based on what you showed me, I th- or what you just said, I think Corn versus Kislev highly likely. That's yes, that seems likely. the most likely to me because it's Order versus Chaos, which is the central narrative of this. Kislev is theoretically our center of the, at least what this slice of the setting is going to be. Yeah, it's. New army plus old army. So you're yep. getting the old fans and the new fans. And it, it makes the most sense to me because, again, it ties into this idea of this is a setting about order versus chaos. And it sets up, well, there's this big chaos invasion coming and the Empire's busy fighting. So it falls to keys left to, you know, hold back until the Empire can get their shit together. Because they've also stated this all climaxes with the Siege of Prague. Mm-hmm. So we know that narratively it ends on Kislev. So Corn versus Kislev makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, Bretonia versus Tomb Kings, I have no idea if that makes sense from a business perspective. I like it as a, as it's a general two concept. two armies that don't exist in Age of Sigmar, so you have to buy this. You're more incentivized to buy this box. That makes sense. Because you want the rules, and here's two armies that you don't have anywhere else that didn't make it into uh 8th edition that play very differently from each other i will say that now i'm thinking about it i have no idea and again it depends on how they draw the map i have no idea who they'd put against keys uh, against cathay in a start box so you can still do a random chaos one but the problem with cathay is i don't know how you tie that back to your central narrative yeah Cathay is very removed from things. But, like, I guess you could totally write in they marched out of Cathay to go fight alongside Kislev. My understanding is that the Cathay doesn't really do that. They're not really a march out. Uh, They're very defensive. That is true. They're isolationist. And again, they can rewrite this. It's their own setting. Yeah, true. Uh, Honestly, it feels like it might be better just to, like you said, do Cathay in its own thing, and then you do, like, a Cathay and... uh, Well, okay... Total War 3 has a lot of references to the Monkey King and yeah. his whole thing. And I've been wondering what if they're going to do anything with that ever. So it'd be interesting if they did, like... See, that's the other thing to consider, is how tied into Total War's DLC release schedule will this all inevitably be? I don't think as tied in as it seems on the surface, but I do think that there is, like, a business, like, 
concept of of things like it seems highly unlikely for instance that the old world's gonna have any big to do about chaos dwarves when that's gonna be the first big to do about total war three dlc yeah that's its own ouroboros but like we know that the bear riders and the ice guard are in kislev like they were designed to have models so we know they're there which is another reason i think corn versus kislev makes a lot of sense of they've already put a lot of work into prepping kislev yeah i mean plus ice guard are awesome and so are bear riders so yes again those are also that's a very visually appealing box yeah like if i was going to collect if i was going to collect just humans just regular ass humans in, in like in fantasy, it would be Kislev with their bears and their women with icicle like javelins. So Yeah, and honestly, Corn, I might answer the call back to that for Warhammer Fantasy, though I'm doing my best to avoid buying yet another war game. Let's talk about the last one, which I don't have faith in, which is Empire versus Empire. The only reason why I could see that happening is because the way you've talked about it and the way the numbers shake out, I wouldn't be surprised if Empire is the closest equivalent in Warhammer fan- or Warhammer Fantasy to Space Marines. Yeah. And how Space Marines are treated generally by the company. I could I could see a one type of Empire versus another type of Empire. I think that would be a really not great... Well, here's it might work because it also gives people who just want to play Empire basically a box where both sides contribute to their one army. Yep, there's that. But it, I don't think it's strong. I think it'll happen. I just don't think it's a strong launch box. I agree. So, But that... Those are the big rumored ones, and we'll kind of circle back to this, because the last thing I want to talk about is heavily rumored, and I do believe this, you're going to get the rule book and maybe one or two codexes, and everyone else is going to be in the old-style indexes we got at 8th edition, while we wait for the codexes or the battle tomes or whatever they end up calling these to come out for these armies. So there's going to be an index for order, an index for destruction, an index for death, and an index for chaos. And all your rules will be in there while they get everything rolling. Sure, that makes sense. That makes the most sense to me because the last thing you want to do is, let's say they launch with the Empire versus Empire box and you only have rules for the Empire. No one's going to want to play that game. Yeah. So the other thing I could see is instead of versus boxes, they do pared down smaller launch box. So there'll be an Empire box, a Corn box, a Kislev box, a Bretonia box, Tomb King's box, Cathay, like maybe the five best launch factions. I do feel like in a like they've started doing the bigger boxes lately. Well, I was gonna say I do feel like if we look at uh, the even in Age of Sigmar and 40k, like the what were they called? Like we got Vanguard boxes, Combat Patrol boxes, yes. uh, Battle Line, or what? There's another kind Battle of, Force boxes, Battle Patrol boxes. Yeah, and I think these have largely been pretty good. So I haven't yeah. gotten most of them because I'm pretty happy with my general collection right now, but I've been like... They're a great them. way to bump up your collection or to get in. And that's the other thing I see is like, we're going to have like a starter box, but I think it won't be long before they start pushing out these big battle force boxes. Because if this is anything like Warhammer before, it, you're going to need big armies. And selling big boxes full of models at a reduced price is a great way to launch that. And it's a great way to get Cathay out there when you don't narratively have a place for them yet mm-hmm. i mean if we look at if we look at the 40k starting starter edition box which is space marines and necrons and how much comes in each one and use that as a and i'm being generous here if we use that as our comparison vector then you could probably expect kislev with something like 500 like probably like a unit of i don't know streltsy a unit of ice guard and like a, a leader on a bear 
Like, maybe. And then whatever they're against, if we assume corn, probably a group of bloodletters, uh, and some warhound or chaos warhounds, and maybe like a skull taker or something. Yeah, because see, corn just take the blades of corn that exist in Age of Sigmar, slap them in a box, you're done. Yeah. Like the blood warriors really work as chaos warriors of corn. True. The True. skull crushers, the blood crushers, they're still there. The skull cannon's still there. Corgus Cole would make a fucking amazing chaos lord of corn. Very nice. So yeah, no, it's already there. So those are like that's my general thoughts on it all. Uh circling back last, is there any factions that haven't been announced that you want to see or you think have high chances of you slipping mean- it? Besides Aside Skaven? From Skaven. We talked to death about Skaven. Because I'll always talk about Skaven. Uh, if, I mean, vampires, honestly. I know they're kind of away from the setting, but if there's water somewhere... Yeah, you if you've got coast, it could happen. See, the vampire Actually, counts... no, no, hold on, are... wait, wait, wait. Let me take it back. I think far more likely vampire coast is beastmen. Because the way my understanding... Oh, yeah. My understanding of the lore is that beastmen are, in a, in a sense, like the Skaven, but on the surface, and that they're kind of everywhere, and they're just a general nuisance everywhere. So. See, Beastmen, though, might have the same problem as Skaven of they, they have, need new models. I just recently looked through the Beastmen models, and oh boy, yeah, they're they're bad. I think they actually have a higher percentage of terrible models than, than Skaven do, definitely. Well, the problem with Beastmen is AOS is doing like they're doing with a lot of their armies of, okay, new edition, and here's a new HQ, but we need new troops, and here's a new HQ, but troops, and another HQ. Like, I've got five new HQs. When am I going to get new battle line stuff? Yeah, I was looking up... I think, like, gore herds, and I was like, why do they look so bad? Oh, the minotaurs are all tiny. Yeah. Oh. So I, I think, based on my understanding of how they use the kind of factions, and if I'm looking at what is missing from the current kind of set, Beastmen may fill a similar void to Orcs and Chaos, but they're kind of like an in-between of the two of them, and coming out of the forests, and you can kind of put them anywhere. I I think Beastmen, which they are pushing right now in Age of Sigmar, I think there's a good chance for them. Yeah, no, they definitely have the potential. I don't know if they're going to be a launch faction, but I definitely see them. I think they're going to have an earlier presence than, say, like the High Elves or the Border Princes, or even the Wood Elves. I feel like calling it the Old World... Is and having Kislev and the Empire be your centers, I feel like the stress is literally going to be things that are chipping away at Kislev and the Empire. So things that are yeah. fighting them. And here's another thought, and this is my pure speculation I would love to see, is don't tie yourself to one timeline. Jump around, do different timelines, do different settings, do different eras. Treat this like a historical game. Like, all right, this time we're doing the, you know, time of the three emperors. Now we're jumping back. We're doing the War of the Beard. Now we're jumping back and, hey, this is a new event in which Cathay fought, you know, Ind and Koresh. Because guess what? Those new armies are launching. Yeah, I'm on board. Because that's the thing is they've decentralized themselves from having to stick to a central timeline and go back and fill in the gaps that they created for themselves when they made this world. I would love to chat with someone who actually played a lot of Warhammer Fantasy about this. I mean, it would be an excuse to talk to someone like Sotek again, obviously. But <laughs> I was thinking, should we have gotten Sotek back for this? It's like, no, Sotek's already doing his own content. This one's for us. Well, plus it's good for me and you, I think, as kind of outsiders to have our little perspective on it. Ad- admittedly an outsider yes. perspective. but Well, that's what I wanted to do. Like All the people that know this have had their weigh-ins and their own biases. We're coming at it from the outside. And last things last, 
How much support do you think this is going to get on launch? Is this going to be like a specialist game, or is this going to get the push of the big three? I don't think it's going to get the push of the big three at all, but I do think it's going to be... I wouldn't be surprised if it has a similar support to what Kill Team has been getting in the last couple of years. Yeah, I think it's going to get a big opening push, and then depending on that first year will determine its future. Because they've been working on this since like 2019, so there's a lot of dev time and effort going into this. Yeah, but I wouldn't be surprised too if they try to angle it as a way of getting people into Age of Sigmar. So they try to that's going to be the cross models is going to be a big like kind of you know bait and switch. So I think that that maybe I think from a business perspective that's probably how they're going to look at it as a specialist game that is a a entryway into one of the main main games. But yeah, but. I don't know. As someone that prefers old world By the way, to AOS, it's not, not always me. a smooth transition. Yeah, and that's not me saying anything about the relativeness between Age of Sigmar and the old world. I actually like them both. I'm just saying based on, from a business practice, that seems likely to me. I think, and that's why I think a lot of the, you know, initial armies are going to have a lot of cross-play with AOS in case this doesn't do the numbers. Because the big looming question is, and this is a business one, do enough people actually want to play this, or are they saying they want to play this? Yeah, because admittedly, I'm not going to pick up like a new army for the old world. I would love to get new Skaven units so I can play Skaven in the old world with other people, but I'm not picking up any new army. I admit Kislev is tempting, but I currently have four armies. I'm not making it five. I'm just not. And that's where I'm kind of like, I would love to play dwarves. I would love to play corn. I would love to play Kislev. There's a lot of these factions like that would be fun, but without knowing the rules... And also kind of being hesitant to start yet another war game. I'm not sure that's enough to get me to jump into this. And I imagine Games Workshop's kind of saying like, okay, we don't want to put all our money into this and then have four or five people play it. Yeah, which is disappointing because, again, I I want the old world to succeed despite myself not really planning to contribute much to it. So if they give me Skaven, I'll contribute to that. So... Yeah, and I guarantee if they're smart at all, they watch the conversations and they see these you know, old world diehards that are nothing but, well, to be honest, fucking carbuncles on the hobby. They go, I hope it's more than just them because otherwise this is going to be a huge failed investment. Yeah, and I, I admit that this is a bit of my, my bias coming out, but the reason why I think that it will not overtake in any way what they're doing with Age of Sigmar is Age of Sigmar feels more from the ground up designed for lack of a better term younger people and well to fix the problems they had with Warhammer Fantasy a lot of them yes I I just think that it's more designed with that kind of business model of getting new people into it in mind whereas the old world feels more like like a side hustle (laughs) yeah and I think this is going to launch strong but depending on where it falls in the greater scale of it all it's really going to depend on how those initial sales look yeah and that's why i think they're gonna do something that they can kind of afford to maybe lose out on like a corn versus kislev box set or individual box sets more than 
Abertonia versus Tomb Kings. Well, also, like, if they're smart, as we said at the top of this, Warhammer really is more, at this point, more of an IP than it is a tabletop game or any one thing. So if they're really smart, they will leverage the old world from and back into, in a circular way, the various other IP connection things like Vermintide, like Total War, like Chaos Gate, like things yeah. like that. So, so no, that's the grand ramblings of two people who never played Warhammer Fantasy Battles. Yeah, so, you know, worth a hay penny at best. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to this. I'll admit, I'm already prepping to fight that new model syndrome, because I know it's going to come howling at me. I mean, you're already dealing with it right now with the new World Eaters drop. I know you are. Oh, yeah, no, it's like, ooh, they look cool. Wretched already fell to it. <laughs> not that I didn't egg him on I, or anything. <laughs> I'm doing my best. I'm trying not to start new armies, and I'm not trying... I'm trying to avoid starting new war games, but... I haven't even finished building my Echoes of Doom box. I can't buy anything new, so. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm in kind of a lull of my hobby crack syndrome. I'm just kind of painting things right now, which is nice. All right, I think that that's more than enough to take us into the outro. Yep. Thank you for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, do all the things that the algorithm demands of you, especially if we are right about any of this when the inevitable Warhammer reveal happens. I want to know what we call it. And if there's any platform that you want us to be on that we're not, tell us about it, because right now we're on most of the big ones. The list I have says SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and of course the FiresideAlliance.com, but you know, I don't know how many platforms there are. We can always learn about new ones. As always, this has been Lord Commander Ulrich. And his shield brother, Axel Wright. Be sure to tune in next time, and remember, there are no rat-sized men living under the streets.